From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Well, you found us. This is The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett, and thanks for inviting me into your home, and thank you, most of all, for your ears. I'm a little out of breath. I, uh, between breaks here, I'm just, or during breaks, I'm just running down the hall uh, to the boardroom uh, to check on my little guys. Uh, my twin boys are camping out here with me tonight. Every uh, so often, I like to bring them down to the, uh, the radio station so they can see where the old man works. And uh, they're having a great time. They're just about asleep. Uh, so I'm going to race down there again in about 14 minutes just to make sure all is quiet. I uh, hope you'll join me for something else. It's called Follow the Truth, the Conspiracy Show Summit. On Sunday, November the 16th, I'm going to be hosting this all-day conference-style event with six incredible speakers. Don Schmidt, Roswell investigator. Jim Penniston, witness to the Rendlesham Forest UFO incident. Professor Ron Mallett on time travel. Patty Greer on crop circles. Jim Elvidge, uh, author of The Universe Solved, will be talking about whether or not we're living in a matrix. Richard Dewhurst uh, will be talking about ancient giants who ruled America. More details and ticket info at www.followthetruth.tv. For the last several months, I have been inundated uh, with tweets and emails uh, from listeners wanting me to do a program about Bigfoot. And I promised I would do that. And uh, typically, when I do a show about Sasquatch, I end up speaking to someone from the Northwest, British Columbia, Washington State, Oregon, California. In fact, when I did a, a television show on, on Bigfoot, an episode, uh, we, we, went, we went out to California. We, because we tend to think that Sasquatch only dwells in the, in the rainforests of the Pacific Northwest, and that's simply not the case. There have been sightings in, of, of Bigfoot in all 50 states, including Rhode Island, if you can believe it, and all 10 provinces, including the province of Ontario, from where this program is emanating. Ontario lists close to, I think it's nearing 100 sightings now, from as far back as 1906. There was one in Cobalt, Ontario. And uh, in 2010, in Lake Superior Provincial Park. Each case is sort of quasi-scientifically investigated. The site operators interview witnesses where possible. Some sightings are obviously weak cases for the Sasquatch's existence. There are people who claim they've heard Sasquatch rather than actual sighting. Others are, well, I guess up to the, the reader to, dis, to decide. Uh, more recently, I believe it was June of this year, at least that's when the story and the video was posted. It was stamped June 2014th. Uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Tim Everick of the Ontario Wildlife Field Research, Ontario, Bigfoot, um, I believe there was an image of uh, what they, they think may have been a Sasquatch captured on a GoPro video camera. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, in southern Ontario, there have been three fairly recent sightings. In Dundalk, Ontario, back in 1987. Markdale, Ontario, in 1995. And St. Thomas in 2007. And the latter Bigfoot uh, sighting was on the Elgin Trail. And it's perhaps the most convincing. Now, I mentioned the Ontario Wildlife Field Research Ontario Bigfoot Group, and I have one of its members on the line with me now. Christine Burns is a member of the aforementioned Ontario Wildlife Field Research Ontario Bigfoot Group. She's had a long career as a registered nurse. 
She's also a holistic health practitioner who has studied under Ojibwa healers. She had her first face-to-face Bigfoot encounter when she was approximately 10 years old in a wooded area in South Porcupine, Ontario. Her first Bigfoot tracking expedition was in 2012 on Vancouver Island, where she and her late husband became educated in Bigfoot habitat, behaviors, tracking, casting, and evidence collection. Christine Burns, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Well, I'm good. And I'm I'm very impressed with what you've already researched. I hope I can add to a lot of that. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I am, I'm fascinated by a Sasquatch. Never uh, have come close to a sighting. Uh, I've done a number of shows on it, a little bit of research, but I am absolutely fascinated by it. Uh, and, and obviously, my listeners are because, as I say, they, you know, they've been they've been letting me know they've, they've they've wanted me to do a show about this for some time, and it's been a while. So here we go. Let's 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 go back. Let's dial it back. Uh, to South Porcupine when you were 10 years old. Uh, walk us through what happened, Christine. Well, I always used to, uh, the uh, wooded area was very close to uh, where I lived. It was only a block or two away. And as kids, we always went up and uh, played in that area where, you know, we'd find uh, raspberry canes and blueberries and do kids what kids do. Um, and um, so I, I was never really a... Um, afraid of going into the bush by myself. I mean, at that time, we didn't have all the warnings about bears. I can remember my mother, you know, if a bear came in the yard, we'd go out with a broom, you know. And so it, there was no really, um, nothing that really kept us from, like, going up there if we were, say, on our own and meet up as, uh, with pals. So I happened to know that the time of the year that I was up there, um, there was raspberry canes, and that's what I went up to collect. So what happened when um, I was, um, there was new houses that had built along that that stretch of road called Legion Drive, and a lot of that time the bush was just pushed back. So there was a lot of ridges and, and kind of gullies back there where they had just dumped the um, brush area. And that's where the raspberry canes would grow. So I was picking uh, raspberries and reaching my hand through the bushes while I was a bit on an angle, and as I put my hand up to uh, reach in and grab some of these berries, um, two hands came out, and there I was face-to-face with something that I never imagined I would ever see. Um, I fell backwards kind of off of the thing, and I can remember um, the face is still very vivid in my memory, um, and I remember running like hell back home. And I knew instinctively that no one would really believe me. I knew this wasn't some person in the bush. I knew it was not a bear. Um, very schooled at, ha- you know, knowing what a bear looks like. What, 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 walk me through. What did it look like exactly? You know what? It was um, long hair uh, that I remembered that. I remember the hands having some hair, but they were very, very huge hands. And... Um, uh, what I remember the most um, was um, kind of the way it was staring at me in as much wonderment as I seemed to be staring at it. There was almost like a, a facial expression of frowning and looking at me. I remember the nose very more human-like and not a gorilla, not flat and squash like you see the, you know, the pictures we see of gorillas. But I remember the most part was like the eyes were like a hazel-like eyes 
you know, I've read since then that, you know, these, they kind of are supposed to, in the dark, will have a red glow. But I just remember so much that they were of a light hazel color. And, and what and what color was, excuse me, Christine, I'm sorry, what, yeah. what, what color was the hair? Um, the hair was reddish and, and dark. It was almost like a um, lighter across the top of the head that came down. Um, and I remember very much seeing, like, straggly hair hanging on what, what I could see of the neck and shoulder, which wasn't much. Uh, whether this animal was on the other side of, of the hump or whether it was down, kneeling down to look at me, I don't know. I, I just know that um, it looked um, wild. It looked wild, but it also looked human-like. So we're talking about hair, long hair, not fur. No, to me it was it was like like you would um, hair hanging in long long strings, and some almost curly, but definitely lighter on the upper part towards the, the shoulder looked darker. Now that could have been from the shading and the, um, the shadowing as well. And uh, was this creature was it was it bent over? I mean, were you looking? Was it hunched over? You were looking straight into its eyes, or were you looking up at it? Um, I was at an angle, kind of up at it. So when it looked at me, it was kind of like it was definitely the face was higher than mine, but it kind of angled down to look at me, like like inquisitive. To me, it you know when I think back on it, I would think the animal must have crouched down to look at me. That's the only impression I can get because, I mean, as a child, I was just locked on the face. I was locked on the face, and and um, the details of uh, covered by the, the hands coming through the raspberry canes were obviously like you know um, showing that it was uh, was down at some kind of level. Any any idea how how large this this creature was? Oh, the the head was very large, was very large. How tall? Any idea? No, I couldn't. I couldn't estimate even as a child. Even now, I can very much picture the face, but but any other details are kind of um, not not within my scope of remembering at that kind of stage. The hands though were large. There were there were fingernails. The and the skin too was not necessarily dark or or blackish it was more like a um i hate to you know more like a the redness and the you know of a of a burnished brown right and and any way of of identifying whether this may have been a male or female no um you know i, I remember as i ran away um thinking um nobody's nobody's going to believe me and so there was this sense, and I, I, I know now from reading, there's a sense of, of the fact that um, people often don't remember um, what they've actually seen. Um, it's almost like they, um, um, they're actually the Seminole uh, Indians um, believe that, um, that they are capable of causing um, a type of memory loss. This might be related to uh, the fact that there's been um, much discussion about them using um, uh, infrasound. All right, listen, Christine, I, I hate to interrupt. I've got to take a quick break. We'll come back. Yep. Christine Burns talks about her Bigfoot encounter here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Shaking the world. 
and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, little guys are tucked in and finally asleep, I think, down the hall, so we can uh, resume our conversation with Christine Burns, uh, who is uh, revealing or detailing her uh, encounter, her close-up, face-to-face encounter with a Bigfoot in South Porcupine, Ontario. Where is South Porcupine, uh, for those not in the know, Christine? It's uh, northern Ontario. It's uh, now part of Timmins City Limits. Timmins. Okay, that fixes it in my mind. And I think actually I uh, during a family vacation we, we rolled through South Porcupine at a certain point. Now, I know better than to ask women how old they are, but I'm doing the math. I know you graduated from nursing in 1972, uh, so and you, this happened when you were about 10. So we're talking about the early 60s. Yes. Now, you've heard this a million times, Christine, but for the record, you know, people are going to say, that was... Fifty years ago, Christine, the mind can play a lot of tricks. How do you know you saw what you saw and that you're not remembering a dream or something like that? Well, I would have to say that when you experience something like that as closely as I did, it it imprints, right? We're all attracted to the mystery of the Sasquatch or Bigfoot, right? I mean, let's face it, he's the monster that lives in our backyard, and we have lots of backyards in our country. There's truth in the fact that people have had these experiences, just like mine, but they don't come forward. And I didn't come forward as a child. I instinctively knew that if I was to say that I had seen, say, I would have quoted a gorilla in, you know, in the bush. I mean, nobody would have paid any attention. Or, and and there's always even a child is afraid of ridicule. And we find this now even in adults that have had experiences. They want, you know, they mention it, and and obviously people, you know, um, have this attitude of uh, dismissing what they've seen. So, as the Ontario Wildlife Field uh, research people, we face the problem that people will report to us, but we always keep everything totally confidential. We want to take reports because we want to track sightings. Um, you know, uh, I think that um, if I could use um, uh, Algonquin Park, um, there have been 200 sightings. Um, now, those have been those have been reported in in some way or form or video or by mention. Um, 200 sightings in prevent in the provincial park alone. Yes, there's been 200 uh, sightings in Algonquin Park. It's a perfect environment. It's Sure. It's over 7,630 square kilometers. The interior is only accessible by canoe. Um, there's coniferous and deciduous forests. It's the climate. There's a great um, uh, analogy that we can make now between areas where there are Sasquatch sightings and the amount of precipitation that's received in that area. Interesting. Listen, I, I want to come back to Algonquin in, in a moment, but I just stay. Uh, I want to stay with your sighting for just a few more moments. Okay. Um, was this creature? Did it appear to be menacing at all? I think it. For I really got the impression when I see the face movement that it was looking at me, um, maybe trying to figure out who I was or what I was. Um, I was um, small, um, blonde-haired. Um, there has been um, some um, uh, reports that um, that there's a preference to blondes, that a lot of blondes have had uh, sightings. 
I don't believe this animal shows itself. It's known as being sneaky. I don't think it shows itself in, unless it wants to to view what's on the other's what its perception is trying to form. This um, this could have been a young um, Bigfoot and just as curious um, uh, to see me. As, sure, sure. And I- that's that's quite logical. Um, Did you even know definitely. what Sasquatch was at that point? Had you heard stories about Sasquatch? Never, never. I didn't. I knew that I I had seen something that looked like a gorilla, but wasn't a gorilla. It wasn't a wild man living in in, in the bush. Um, you know, an old prospector or anything like this. It was definitely, to me, it was an animal that looked like a man in many ways. And you had the you were able to get up and and run. I mean, many people may have been paralyzed by fear, but you got up and you 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 made your escape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you I got fell backwards, mm-hmm. and some of that I can't remember. I do remember watching my feet running because I didn't want to trip and fall. Uh, in my mind, it was like if I fell, um, but th- I wasn't being chased. Um, I was just running from my own fear. It didn't pursue you. No. So you got home, and, and what happened? You just you you stayed quiet and told not nary a soul for years and years and years. No, I think it's like um, I think it's like when I talk about the the mystery of of the Sasquatch. It's like it's the monster in our backyard. You know, children don't start. We don't start telling stories about monsters under our beds. And and to me, at that time, um, I just felt like that not not discussing it didn't give any reality to that monster that's out in the bush um, when we were able to connect the dots did you did you see a, a movie read a book about Sasquatch and say bingo that's what I saw I guess I was I was um, probably in my teens or whatever and there was there was um, uh, many things around the the Patterson um, uh, Gim, Gimlet um, the Patterson Gimli yeah sure yes and and uh, Gimlin, yes, and and so that was really um, quite um, public, and and then I I felt kind of validated that like you know that 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 I saw does exist, and when there was all the controversy over whether it was um, you know staged or whatever, um, I knew instinctively no, I that I know that 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 can't be staged, and then of course there was the um, there was the movie that was about um, Harry, the, Harry and the Hendersons, or right, whatever, right, and all that, and and um, and I just felt that no, this 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 at the time I said animal, um, I know exists. I've had my own experience. Um, I didn't really need it to feel that I had to share it with anybody, because um, what was the point? As you said, I was like ten. Somebody can easily say, "Well, you don't remember," or it's something that you dreamed. Um, but um, but the but the Patterson Gimlin uh, film, um, you know, to me right away I knew no, that's that must have been what I saw. That's what must have been looking at right. me. Right. Right. Now you you, you uh, graduated from nursing in '72 and 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 uh, had a, a, a long nursing uh, career. Uh, you married a police officer from North Bay. Yeah. Uh, at at what point? Uh, because I know that you and your your late husband traveled out to Vancouver Island, and you went on your first Bigfoot 
expedition, but only a couple years ago. At what point did you decide, I have to do something with this? I, you know, I had this face-to-face encounter. Was it always in the back of your mind that you were going to pursue this? Not until my son, uh, uh, after his military career, was uh, posted out to Vancouver Island, and that's where he retired. And um, he he um, found out that um, the area that he lives in Comox Courtney, there's been a lot of um, Bigfoot activity, Sasquatch. And um, he, so he started talking to me about it, and, and um, uh, he said that he was um, wanting to go on, um, on a Bigfoot expedition and that he thought that it would be uh, wonderful for uh, David and I, my husband and I, to go out there as a retirement gift, and he would, um, you know, pay for us to go on this expedition. And um, that's when I shared with, um, I had shared with my son that I had an experience because he was um, reading an awful lot about uh, Vancouver Island and and uh, the B.C. and the Pacific Coast and um, the, uh, so so when he knew that I had had a childhood experience, that's what popped into his mind as, well, let's go. And my son now is um, an investigator for the BRFO. Um, he's um, he's uh, really enjoying his, um, it's not a hobby. It's um, He's um, quite in, engrossed in this. And so that's why um, I've gone again, um, an expedition in 2013 and to, um, in 2014. I go for the education. Um, I would have to say that I am a hands-on investigator. Um, I like going out. I like looking for signs, um, you know, stick structures. I would love to find a footprint, hair samples. Um, That's what intrigues me is being out there in the environment. Um, And we have the environment right here in Ontario. We have the same... Um, ability to find more of um, the evidence of, uh, and hopefully someday scientific, the scientific community will accept that uh, Bigfoot exists. We have, um, we have uh, footprints, we have uh, handprints, we have fingerprints, we have hair samples. The only thing that's lacking um, is uh, is a body and any of us who do investigate uh, Bigfoot, that's, that's something maybe that we really don't want to have happen in a, in a strange way. <laughs> well, you, you said something interesting in your in your in your bio that you sent me. You said I I don't want to find Bigfoot. I want Bigfoot to find me. What do you mean by that? There's um there's a an Ojibwe um, belief that the and I feel that as well that it's um, it's a spirit animal, and that um, if you have the right intention, it will show itself. And um, I, I believe that really and truly. I don't want it to learn from human investigation that we're trying to encroach on it or that we're trying to harm it. So I, I believe that, um, and I, I've met many other investigators uh, feel that way too, that when we're out and we're uh, walking the the uh, mountain uh, roads and trails at night and we're we're doing calling and wood knocks and screams we're trying to have the sasquatch see us and come into our say our base camp or follow us to look at what we're doing 
Why are we trying to behave like them? What's the connection? When you say that that it is a spirit animal, uh, I mean, what what does that mean exactly? Are we talking about maybe a creature that that may exist in more than one dimension at one time? I'll give, for example, um, I have heard from uh, certain Bigfoot trackers that they have tracked uh, footprints. Uh, into the woods, let's say in the snow, for example, and the footprints suddenly stop. They don't go anywhere, um, which might suggest maybe this creature left this dimension and, and kept walking into another dimension. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get too woo-woo here, but I mean, what, what, what that sort of seems to be the logical extension of what a spirit animal might be. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I've had I've had one investigator actually state that um, uh, and she uh, works in the forest industry that she actually had um, a full sighting of a Sasquatch and as she looked at it it suddenly it disappeared I call it ghosting we don't know what capabilities these animals have we do feel that they see uh, infrared that's why uh, cam uh, like um, recorders for trail cams don't work there's many humans that can see infrared as well, so they avoid uh, the cameras, the infrared. We also know that they can do um, what I've said before, um, the uh, infrasound. Um, they believe that it's kind of um, the. I know that the uh, tiger is being uh, in, uh, studied for that. Their roar is able to make someone freeze um, and actually have even a memory loss because of the the shock and the. Inf- it, that um, uh, the vibrations. So, do we really know? I mean, I know that um, um, the natives um, don't talk about them necessarily uh, disappearing. Um, but uh, as I said before, the the Seminole Indians believe that they are able to give us uh, the ability to forget due to a hypnotic effect that they have. And um, and that again uh, relates to the infra infrasound that uh, is capable of predators. When, we're coming up on a break here, uh, Christine. When we come back, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, your investigations, your expeditions to Vancouver Island uh, with your son and uh, your late husband. I, am I correct? Yes. Your, 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 you yes. lost your husband. Uh, now he was a criminal investigator, and uh, you also mentioned something in your bio that. Um, here he is, a criminal investigator. It's all about the evidence for him. Your, 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 your husband, late husband, sounded like sort of a no-nonsense guy, yet he was convinced by the available evidence that, that if you had to stand up in court, you could prove the existence of, of Bigfoot. Is that correct? That's correct. He was a forensic science um, uh, a tech and also a criminal investigator. And when he went out, quite honestly, in our first expedition, he was skeptical. But um, being seeing and um, visualizing the evidence um, that the um, investigators out there presented to us and through education and um, uh, actual pictures and whatever, my, my husband stated that in a court of law, if he had to if he presented the evidence that is out there, uh, a court of law would have to uh, come with a verdict that Sasquatch exists. All right, Christine, hold on. Christine Burns from the Ontario Wildlife Field Research Ontario Bigfoot Group, back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. 
Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And uh, say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. Christine Burns is with us. She had her first face-to-face Bigfoot encounter when she was approximately 10 years old in a wooded area in South Porcupine, Ontario. That's up near Timmins. And her first Bigfoot tracking expedition was in 2012 on Vancouver Island, where she and her late husband became educated in Bigfoot habitat, behaviors, tracking, casting, and evidence collection. Um, did any of have any of your expeditions out to Vancouver Island um, yielded any significant evidence, uh, video, photographies, audio recordings, anything like that, Christine? Um, the my first expedition uh, when we were out there, uh, we were doing we were uh, learning how to um, do screaming or calling, and uh, we actually had a um, a response. Um, this um, uh, this the the second expedition that I went on, um, we seemed to have a a, a lot of um, activity at night. Um, for the group, we were, seemed to be, uh, uh, we felt like there's also a sense of, well, I should mention this, there's also a sense of, of feeling that you, you know that something's around. It's a very, we, for us, it's a very instinctual thing, you know. And um, when we were uh, all um, as a group at our base camp, the, um, the um, kind of formulating the last of our investigative skills and what we had been researching, um, we were all sitting around, and um, a tree was felled uh, right behind us, just pushed down. Um, uh, we immediately froze uh, because that's one of the things that, um, you know, if you've seen any of uh, uh, YouTubes or whatever, often um, a tree will get pushed over. It's almost like a warning. Yes, yes. And um, we all kind of froze, and then... As we all know, you don't want to all rush because you don't want to destroy any evidence. So uh, the primary investigators um, went up, um, marked the area for looking for any prints and that, and um, I didn't. I didn't myself go up. Uh, it was like on a on a slope of the land. We were uh, near a lake edge, so so it was up on the on the slope, and um, I'm sure that that was recorded as that we had. Something had come down towards our base camp, and and more or less giving us the uh, <laughs> the warning. <laughs> you mentioned their um, calls. So you you um, you put out a call. So what we do is we break up into groups, and we find um, a valley or uh, a long ridge line or whatever, and then we um, the investigators um, uh, scout out the area that we're going to set up a base camp. Um, they only we only get the longitude and latitude of where we're going uh, just before we leave for the expedition. That's so that we can prevent anybody um, eliminate any hoaxing or anything not done by any of the investigators going in there, but just just for the sake of that we're trying to keep this uh, as a pure investigation as we can. So we go up onto the different ridges and we have different groups, and what we decide to do is, um, someone um, will, a female, uh, will uh, scream uh, down that um, valley or ridge line, uh, hoping to get a response. Then um, uh, we um, we have recorders, and we also wait and listen for them any any responses. And then maybe a male um, in one of the other groups will do the type of uh, call that would be uh, 
similar to what a, a male Sasquatch would make. And so what we're trying to do is um, is uh, actually make any Sasquatch in the area realize that there's a female and a male in, in their territory. Um, it could be seen as that um, uh, it could bring responses. We seem to get more responses out of uh, wood knocks, and that has got to be some kind of a messaging system. One thing to be said, you never do one knock. One knock has been recognized as being confrontational, so it's always two knocks, and then we wait for a period of time to see if there's any response. Um, it's um, it's amazing when we consider the height that we're, um, of the elevation that we're at and how far that those screams and those knocks can carry down these um, these areas. Right, and, right. <laughs> and, it will, you know, it's you, you realize that a lot of the uh, knocks that are responded back are even louder than than uh, what we've been able to make as a human. So you, so then you make maybe make the assumption that whatever is knocking back is certainly huge, or, uh, and very close by, perhaps. And close by. Um, Listen, I got I got to run here. We got another time out. We'll come back in uh, in okay. a few moments and discuss more. Christine Burns is with us. And uh, she is with the Ontario Wildlife Field Research Bigfoot Group, back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740. And we've got about another 15 minutes uh, with Christine Burns from the Wildlife Field Research Ontario Bigfoot Group. And uh, Christine, I want to I want to focus on Ontario and perhaps Algonquin for the, the for the remainder of the program. Uh, I mentioned earlier about this uh, video. It was taken on a GoPro camera uh, up in Algonquin by uh, I, I'm not sure if it was, the video was taken by Tim Everick. Um, now was that June of this year? Do you know? Um, I know that. Um uh, I've seen um, a few written reports of that, but I'm not sure if I've actually seen the, the video or which one it is. Um, I believe it was on um, a road, if I'm not mistaken, and they were driving along, and then uh, when they looked at it later, they could see that there was um, uh, a figure standing on the side of the road. Right, that's correct? the one. That's, that's the one. one. The year, uh, I'd have to defer to my administrator who would okay. know for sure. <laughs> but as you say, 200 sightings in Algonquin, and, and these are dating back uh, how long? How far? Do you know? I, I believe they're dating back to when the, the park was, um, the park used to be uh, logged, and there was actually residencies in the park. And then that was changed, I believe, in the 1930s, if I'm mistaken, and, and so it became more of a... Um, uh, a, a park setting. So a lot of the sightings came from uh, uh, back when the park was first um, uh, used for logging. When Tommy I Thompson was was paddling Canoe Lake. Yeah, probably. <laughs> mm. And uh, um, sorry, I go just, ahead. I just wanted to get back again to that. Like you know, it's it's um it's a vast um, uh, park uh, between Georgian Bay and. Um, and the, the, um, the climate is perfect. As I, I said again, the precipitation is um, 50 millimeters or more, which has been correlated to um, habitat for Sasquatch. 
um, if the monthly precipitation uh, is above that. And that can be, um, you can see that on, um, uh, if you look at um, the Internet. They, there, I know that um, I have recent active uh, areas. In 2002, in Algonquin Park, uh, Cripple Creek, there was a siding in 2009 at Rain River, River, sorry, Rain Lake. And in 2010, I believe, was the video. Um, um, there was, um, no, in 2010, there was a cabin on the uh, Algonquin property that had some um, malevolent activity. And I believe that the video that we're talking about now was on a later uh, date, more frequent, more uh, recent. Um, I think that you can f find um, most of that information uh, on the Bigfoot forum if people are interested. I wanted to uh, just mention the Algonquin natives, um, they acknowledged that there were two types of Bigfoot. The first one was called Genosqua, and it was more prevalent in the east here. And it was um, known by the natives to be cannibalistic. Oh, my. Uh, meaning that it was uh, more violent towards men and uh, would abduct them for, um, obviously, um, eating. They, they described uh, him as a stone man, and that was due to the very, very strong skin that was on this animal. They would uh, try and, um, you know, kill this animal, and apparently uh, its chest would, um, it wouldn't um, puncture. So they called him a stone man, and that he, they related it that this, the behavior of, of the Genosqua was he hunts at night and kills by ripping the heads or twisting the neck. So often deer are found with their necks twisted right round. Oh, Christine, I almost wish I hadn't <laughs> heard about that. <laughs> and, and, and here I was hoping, uh, hope against <laughs> hope that these are these these wonderful wild men of the woods are such peaceful creatures, and then you had to totally disabuse me of that. <laughs> but they were talking about different temperaments because I know uh, the Pacific uh, area, they, they do talk about that they seem that the nature of Sasquatch out there are more benevolent. Now we don't, we aren't finding any uh, Genesqua, um, uh, you know, uh, people being uh, cannibalized or whatever. So whether it was at a, you know, and we're going back to the Algonquin natives um, feeling that there was different types, but you know what? Um, I think a lot of things when um, with the Sasquatch or Bigfoot. When there's human encroachment, they move on. Um, and so, so if this type of Sasquatch exists here and is found to be a little more um, malevolent, and I only say that because we've had um, cabins that have been had rocks thrown at them and, and some trashing, but all those things when that has happened, there's never been any human um, uh, uh, killings or whatever associated with any of that. It's just more of an aggressive behavior to try and remove the human um, contact. So uh, at least two species here in Ontario, I was going to ask you because I'm sure somebody at some point has, has sort of compared, contrasted the audio recordings of these of different uh, of Sasquatches from different parts of North America and found you know, profound differences in the calls perhaps. Is, is that, is that uh, something that's been done, do you know? 
Yeah, I, I believe that it, I'm not so sure about the calls. I know that they're, um, my experience is, of course, um, that the calls are similar here as, in, as out west. But um, there, most, there seems to be more of a difference in maybe the um, amount of hair, uh, uh, maybe the, the tracks and the feet are the same size. They're anywhere to 18, 20 inches. The, the, the definite, um, by the depression that the print makes, we know that they're like five, 600 pounds. Um, so there's, there's a great similarity, but around the world, of course, we see the difference in, um, you know, the Yeti, um, the uh, swamp ape in Florida. Um, there just seems to be an ad- adaptation, I believe, to the environment. I, I was just thinking back to that uh, rather chilling description you mentioned of the the uh, cannibalistic uh, species, uh, or, or um, I don't know what to call them—not a species, but uh, the the, uh, the cannibalistic Bigfoot that the Algonquin Indians described. Mm-hmm. And uh, a gentleman who's uh, been on coast to coast a number of times, David Polides, who wrote a book called. Oh, yes. uh, um, missing uh, 411 about all these odd disappearances in state parks and I'm wondering I'm just trying to I'm connecting the dots where I don't really want to connect the dots I mean do you, do you, do you think there may be I'm asking you to speculate here a connection between Sasquatch and these these odd disappearances of people in, in state parks and maybe even provincial parks personally yes I believe there is a definite um, correlation between um, the areas of sightings for Sasquatch and the areas of uh, disappearance of people in these parks. Um, I mean, the reality is that um, that David Pallades has definitely done his homework, and there certainly raises questions. He never in his books, um, to my knowledge, ever says that they are uh, related to um, Bigfoot. But if you overlay the map, um, it's um, it's quite um, impressive. Well, has it, does this change the way you you think about this spirit animal? I mean, all of a sudden now it's a little bit more menacing, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, um, I, I I used to go looking for evidence on my own. Um, you know, I uh, I I canoed and kayaked, and I would go up. Uh, um, you know, little streams and whatever, because I felt if I watched the riverbanks, I might see where there's a trail that, um, you know, even uh, finding a print. And uh, because uh, there, there, we know that um, that um, that tomogamy area is quite an active area. And so, um, you know, and that's where I, I camp uh, up in that area. Um, I've given more thought to it now that, you know, gone on expeditions and they say never go alone. You most certainly should never go alone. And, um, and, um, areas that are, that are, um, quite vulnerable or hiking alone, especially in a rugged territory where there's rocks and, and hills and, and, um, um, those kind of places that we know that Sasquatch will, um, have to, um, Probably for game, the game um, hides uh, in one area, and when the, when the elk or whatever come down through, they grab the legs, they break the legs, and you know then the animal can't escape. These are formidable Lots. hunters. Mm-hmm. They are, and so 
Um, whether they see us as food, I don't think so, but, I mean, if you wander into their territory, we don't know when and if there's a mating season, uh, when's it most, um, uh, when would you be most vulnerable to actually, you know, come across, um, an, you know, an area that they might be um, nesting or are, um, building uh, their structures. So I have a different thought on it now, but at, uh, at one time I wouldn't have thought anything about going and looking. And, why, and why are they uh, – you mentioned these structures. I'm, I'd like to just pursue that. Just that We only have a few minutes left here, but these structures, that, uh, what are we talking about? Nests, temporary shelters? Um, they make um, structures that, um, that are almost teepee-like. Um, they're quite um, – there'll be um, – there's no reason for, say, the tree to have fallen over. There actually might be actually tree limbs from another, uh, say, like an oak or a birch or, or uh, something, that, and they make these structures, and they seem to be um, making uh, a place for a habitat. Um, and so um, I, I look for those kind of things, um, and, um, and I actually did find something out west that I took a picture of, but they're, they're quite specific. Um, there also we've, uh, there's evidence of seeing where they take limbs and, and weave them in amongst. So they'll take a, a limb and weave it in amongst other trees. Now that doesn't occur naturally, and it might be eight feet above the ground. There's also where they've seen a lot of things where they will in, uh, uh, make um, twines and, and, and look like they're being artistic. They're making some kind of form. There's also a, a lot of um, uh, literature about stick structures that they put on the ground. So, so they definitely are using their environment for habitation. Uh, caves, um, there's quite a lot of uh, literature about caves and use, the use of caves. And any idea uh, how many breeding pairs might be in Algonquin? I mean, what would be the, 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 the minimum in order to sustain a population, given that there have been 200 sightings there? Any idea? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would, I, I would believe that Algonquin Park would be a stable environment for them. They wouldn't be migrating. There's lots of, um, there's lots of discussion about whether they migrate. Um, I don't believe that in the, the environment that Algonquin Park would provide um, that there would be any necessary. I mean, there's plenty of game, um, there's plenty of water, lakes, and isolation. Uh, why would they? Why would they move? But um, I, I, I know there was some discussion when I was out west about what a gestation um, uh, time would be for an animal of that size, and. Um, it certainly would be more than a human gestation of nine months. So, and and how much offspring do they have? Most of um, suggested um, reports, or there's a video where they only seem to have one um, child or youth. So, again, the answers would be: How often do they mate? When do they mate? How long is the gestation period? Those are things we don't know, and. And one day maybe we will, we can, we can do estimate, estimate, you know, yes. of what it might be. Christine, listen, I really enjoyed our conversation. I'd love to have you back uh, in the future yeah. to talk some more about uh, Sasquatch. 
And uh, just keep in mind that the Ontario uh, Wildlife Field Research Group, we're going to be planning in the future, um, as um, I've attended out west, uh, we're going to take people out um, to a base camp and do some investigating because there's uh, so much interest in in this now. Absolutely. Got to run. But listen, always a, yes. a, a real pleasure. Thank you, Christine. All right, then. Thank you. Good night. My thanks Bye. to Tim Spreen for production. Is my little Zachary around? He wandered out of the boardroom. He woke up. Uh, anyway, I thought he might want to say good night. I see his teddy bears over there anyway. Uh, back next week with a brand new show. Hope you'll be along for that. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the rooftops. Do you want to say good night, Zachary? Come here, quickly, quickly, quickly. Good night. Good night, sweetheart.